0: Hello and welcome back to Lifting the Lid, the official Emirates FA Cup podcast. Each week, TV presenter Tubes and ex-premiership footballer Steve Sidwell sit down to talk with football legends of the recent past, and this week is no different. We've got Blackburn, Ipswich and, perhaps most notably, Stokes' Jonathan Walters speaking about the highs and lows of his life in football, including reaching the FA Cup final. The subject of this week's episode is mental health. And we're grateful to Jonathan for opening up about his own lesser-known challenges off the pitch, like losing his mother when he was still young, his daughter being born with gastroschisis, and his brother passing away before his time. We hear how he managed these pressures and some of the interesting and perhaps unexpected places where he found help. We also hear about reaching the FA Cup final with Stoke and what that meant for him and his career. It's a wonderfully insightful conversation, and we hope you enjoy it.
1: When was the last time you two saw
0: each
2: other? Oh, we worked last year, wasn't it? we were doing a podcast. A podcast, yeah. We we're doing Liquid a podcast. Football. Yeah, yeah, it was going well. Um, it's Sir John as well. It's Sir John, I, <laughs> heard, I heard about this. He's on, he's on my phone as Sir John. Why is that? Was that, that year at Stoke when I was there? He was just banging in goals, winning games, going away with Ireland. Don't want that to stick. <laughs> you don't, don't like that. Like it was about the FA Cup. Uh, what were your earliest memories
1: as a kid of the FA Cup? Um, oh, Saturdays,
3: always a cup match, then the cup final. Just wanted to watch it as a kid, yeah. Everything, all the build up the whole day, You're watching it on the TV. Never never went to a final as a, as a kid. And then uh, as I got older, um, played in the youth cup final. I got absolutely battered. <laughs> I can't believe you've gone down that road
1: early. <laughs> he waited to get out early, didn't he? <laughs> oh yeah, as the co-host. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just get that out of the way. Go on, talk to us about it.
2: Go on, you, 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 can, you F- can tell us about it. FA Youth Cup final, wasn't it? Absolute so thumping. Arsenal versus Blackburn. We'd won it the previous year. Yeah. Arsenal, so he was going for the, the back-to-back and we come up against Blackburn. Good Blackburn team. We had a good team. Um, I
3: remember the first leg was down in, down at Arsenal because it was home and away wasn't it yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the final your team was unbelievable
2: yeah Pennant ran the show yeah. so I think it was 5 and up was it first leg yeah. I think it was 4 nil. oh 4 4 <laughs> just, just the 4 4 nil
3: first leg Pennant yourself yeah. Jerome Thomas
2: Ali Aladier yeah there was a few Pe- uh, Ben Ricketts
3: yeah Ricketts I think every player on their team went on to have a, have a career near enough and then Four no first leg and then second leg. I remember, Jermaine Pennant didn't play. Yeah, he didn't turn up or something. Something. I think happened. he was with the first team, <laughs> but <laughs> he run right on the first leg and then. Yeah, we uh, we we. I think we won three one second leg. Yeah, he did. Yeah.
2: It wasn't as bad five three yeah. overall, but. Uh, his, his FA Cup that, got. That was off his to,
3: first stage of playing in
2: it. His FA Cup got <laughs> off to a dream start. <laughs> early age. Did you, did you support anyone when uh, growing up? Everton. Everton.
3: So we won it ninety five. Yeah. Paul out against United. United in the yeah. final. Paul Ryder, off the bar, someone at the bar, Paul Ryder had a day. Yeah. So, uh, so it was a my brother went to the semi-final at Leeds. I think it was Amakachi, scored a couple.
1: But yeah, uh, final, Everton won
3: it, yeah. I think it was the last thing we won, 95.
1: But talking about the FA Cup, it was actually an FA Cup game as a player that kickstarted started your career, wasn't mm-hmm. it?
3: Yeah, to be fair, yeah. I started at Blackburn and Bolton, and then I, I went down the leagues, um, to Hull um, got a couple of emotions with Hull my daughter was ill at Hull I moved down to went to Wrexham for a year Chester and I had six months at Chester
1: yeah.
3: uh, Mark Wright was the manager and we we got beat by I think it was Bury in, in the second round or first round even um, and then they got they got drawn with it switched the next round so we were all gutted and then later on in that week there was an investigation because they, they failed at a player they shouldn't have played so they got kicked out, yeah, yeah. so we got to play Ipswich, um, so we had them at the, at the Diva Stadium at the time and then it was nil-nil, it was a good game, we probably should have won as well, yeah. it was nil-nil, we got a replay, so we went to Portman Road, played there and then about a week later I got a call saying, deal's done with Ipswich, off you go in the morning, I was making dinner
2: there oh, with is the kids easy. and uh,
3: got a call, the Next next day I was down at Ipswich, China. and then obviously from there, obviously because I'd, I'd been in the Premier League with Bolton went yeah. down the league so I knew what it meant it was you work hard but to get that break again it was it was down to the FA Cup and then went into Ipswich and it was no looking back from my time at Ipswich really
2: before that there was, there was a lot of loan moves wasn't there it was a bit stop start yeah sort of how, how hard was that in terms of not finding a like a home like was you living out of a suitcase near enough was you did you ever feel settled at a club do you know what I was, I was a kid at bolton and i thought i'd made it
3: at, at 17 18 18 i think 18 19 i thought i'd made it and i was absolutely flying in the first team Being, i was involved in every game I was on the bench or in the squad a number 12 squad number and just going in as a kid you think mm. made i had a bit more money and i was I wasn't living right and then i went out on loan just, just to play what, games right? say not living right i think as kids you, all your mates go off and what are your mates doing at 18? They're going to the pubs, yeah. aren't they? They're going there. And I, I wasn't necessarily drinking, but I was just staying up late and not living right. And my home life wasn't great. And I was constantly spending time with my mate and turning up with no sleep in training, but still doing really well. And then I went to Hull on loan and I scored five and 12. But that culture was all about team bonding, everyone going out and, and sort of like, well, this is how it should be. We were flying, we got two promotions. Um, and I was still growing up, you're still growing it's up, you, you get the first mm-hmm. bit of success, you're not mature are you? And, and it was great but it was it was difficult at the same time because a whole, um, I had a daughter who was born really, really ill. And I've touched upon it before, she was um, she was touch and go. She was born with everything outside her, her intestines, her stomach, um, and I ended up living living in the hospital on a pull-down bed, no wider than this, for me and my wife. And, and I was in there for months. But I was going to train every day. Because I think... He, he said I didn't have to. I'm not going to be involved in the games, got to deal with this. But I was going to train every day, and looking back, that was my release. That was your get-out? That was my get-out, because as soon as you're on that pitch, you, you, everything's forgotten. As soon as you mm. train, everything's forgotten. And then I was back, and I was, I was picking up clothes back in the hospital. And my daughter had an op as soon as she was born. But I didn't know any difference, that was my first child, that was just what you do, deal with it. And she had another op a few months later, and then we got to bring her home. And then at that time at Hull, I think I went on loan to Scunthorpe to get some game time in me. And then I came back and I I asked Hull to leave. I was like, I need to be back home with her daughter. She was still skin and bones, a few months old, she was still... She was less than the, she was what, 10, 11 pounds, probably a wow, few months she old, she was, but, but uh, we didn't know any different myself and my wife. Yeah. You just got on with it. And looking back, I feel more for my wife, because I could have that release of going and playing, but she couldn't. So it, it's difficult looking back, but you just deal with what's in front of you at the time. Then I went to Wrexham, the club of in administration. It's a difficult year probably still still getting that thing where you're dealing with everything and i think i need at the end of the year at wrexham i think you, 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 you you'll know the same you, you have children as soon as you have that one everything changes from being a selfish point of view to your, mm. everything's for your kids yeah. and then the whole stance shifted it wasn't for me anymore it wasn't for anything else but my family and my, my daughter yeah so i went from from that wrexham uh, we were in administration at the time they signed me the next day. Hull really looked after me. Peter Taylor, the manager, and I went to Wrexham, and then they offered like a one-year contract the end on less money because of what I was on. And I think it was something—it was a hundred-pound difference a week. Chester could offer me and they could offer me a two-year contract, and at the time I was like, I have to do it. And they—they they hate each other as well. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was a big reason, and I didn't feel. I should have been offered the same amount other people were and I thought, oh, you know what, I'm not getting offered great here. they could offer that and it was two year deal they ended up signed for Chester, I had a couple of friends that I knew there and it was, it was I was playing really well at Chester as well and was a, there was quite a few teams watching me and a few teams coming in to sign me, I think they turned down a few bids and then it just happened we played Ipswich in the, in the FA Cup and I think you can look at that and say that was a huge turning point in my career.
2: It's like a, like a lifetime isn't it, just condensed into big time. Yeah, how, think... how old was you then? when when
3: that when when your daughter was born and daughter was born in 04 so i was 21. but we knew she was going to be ill when when we when my wife was pregnant because you had the scans and she had to go back every couple of weeks for a scan and she tried to come early and she was still born very early and my wife had to have an emergency c-section because she went into labor and the waters were dirty and Mm. it was going to be a c-section anyway she had to have another one yeah, twenty-one. So you're still, you still, you yeah. still a baby, really. You look back now, and people think you're grown up, but you're not. You live in a football world, and you, you, you're still a baby. And it's, it's, you, you just deal with it. You're not really. There's not really that help, especially lower down. I'd say at yeah. the time, there's not really that help. There is help there, but it's not really. You don't know how to access it.
1: But that's, you know, that's after losing your mum at a young age as well. Like, how did that? Mentally affects
3: you. Like, M- make it inter- M- my inter- mum. Um, do you know what? Yeah, it's it, it's difficult because well, mum. When I was in year six, so I'm trying to think now. My daughter's in year seven, she's twelve, is eleven, I think eleven. And then I think from that time, I developed all my habits of when I was a player as well in terms of dealing with things. So I went back into school the next day. People ask me, "Is okay, I had this big phone, yeah, I'm fine, fine, yeah. Got on with it. It was sort of a taboo subject where you didn't really speak about it with anyone. Just dealt with it yourself. Um,
1: That's wrong, though, isn't it? Mm. Yes. That's so wrong. Do you
3: know what? And life's moved on, life's changed now. I won't mention his name. I spoke to someone very high profile in, in a similar position. He has children, and he he deals with it the opposite way, and he's taught to deal with it in a different way, and I think that was just at the time. Yeah. And now that the, the, the counselling for kids and families is is second to none the talk about to speak, to openly have those conversations. And it was something I always kept inside and during my career you make mistakes, you do things, and I always sometimes I put things down so it was a cry for help for me because I didn't have that support there as a kid. Going into situations, I always dealt with things myself. And I could see everyone else had the mum and dad doing things and I didn't really I just it was on my own a lot yeah and then everything during my career my my whole thing was for my family but it was for my mum it was for her memory that was the that was people ask about Ireland and I say from a very early age that was what I wanted to do and I didn't get into football till I was six, 15 as well year 11 in school I didn't go through the academy system mm. so when I got that chance I was like this is you know in her memory and that's what you do it for yeah. that's what everything's for for me because
1: Steve, could you tell when you were playing with John at Stoke that there were underlying problems that he was struggling or anything like that?
2: Like I always, whenever I played against John when he was at Stoke, <clears throat> you knew that you were going to come off with cuts and bruises. It was going to be a battle. It was going to be you had to earn the right, you know, to win a game. And then I think when I played with you the year, the year and a half that I was at Stoke, it always just seemed as though. You're so mentally strong. That was one of your, your, your main strengths. But you'd pick up a knock, and I'd be like, on a Thursday in training, you might walk in on training game and my knee sore, no good. And I'd be like, he's out. He's out for the Saturday. Before you know it, he's having a jab in his knee, and he's playing on a Saturday. And then he's scoring on a Saturday. And it just become a kind of recurring thing where you were just putting a lot of things. Like I, I, I say, to, to describe it, I'd say it was kind of you was carrying a box. Right and you'd put stuff in a box, yeah. shut the lid, and you'd carry on. And if the, the lid was getting a bit higher, you'd just keep it sort of firmly shut.
3: Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. I'd say that's where I developed the habit from when I was younger, from when my mum passed away. I think I could, I could literally put something and forget about it. And I've run, run a joke with <laughs> my wife that, I, in a way it's not, I do it to this day. So yeah. in a way I'd say it's not a good thing because people say it'll come back, but I say everyone in joke that something happened two years ago and my wife said, do you remember that? And I'm like, don't remember it. Mm. Because anything bad I, have, I can forget about it. But it's still there somewhere, but I can forget about it. So I think that went off in football, that huge one was a Chelsea game when I scored 200 goals. And I have, I have a good... Family I went home They all laughed at me Put it on telly yeah. And it was there Even this week The <laughs> little boy's gone Oh Most embarrassing moments On Sky It came up this week I couldn't believe it I couldn't believe it It was yeah, on there
1: is, Looking
3: to oh, Yeah. Back.
2: So just recap on that So the Chelsea game yeah. it was Chelsea at home at Stoke Chelsea at home at Stoke um, I've ran back after one Ran past about three plays And scored
3: an unbelievable dive Diving head For Chelsea though <laughs>
1: Oh, I loved it, I
3: remember then, it. I'm then then, second half, I've, uh, I've tried to mark Lampard in a corner, lost him, just tried to jump and it's hit him the back of my head, and went in and I thought, so 2 nil down, 2 own goals. 2 own goals, um, also kicked the ball in the face when I tried to cross it. <laughs> no one really speaks about that one. <laughs> and then last minute I get a penalty, I win the penalty, so I'm like, I'm having this, I've got to put this to bed. And I just thought, I'm just going to hit it right down the middle as hard as I can. And I've hit it and it's clipped the top of the bar, and it's probably gone right in the back of the because the bar sucker. <laughs> I, I think there's a clip of me just going, oh. And I'm just thinking, but the fans were unbelievable, they were singing my name. But they loved you, didn't they? The At Stoke, yeah, they were yeah. unbelievable. And to be fair, one of the big things I remember from that game is JT and Frank Lampard coming up to me after the game, having a few words with me, but re- in a really, really good way.
1: Brilliant.
3: Um, and I always remember that because not many people would go out the way to do that. Yeah. <laughs> what did they say? Um, don't worry about it. Like it happens. Like you're actually one of the one of the be- better players. You have, you're playing unbelievably well. Keep it going. Like you're having a good season. Blah, yeah. Like along those lines. Um, and I really took that and respected that because not many people will go out of the way to say that when someone's having a bad time. They just won. I think they came straight over to me. The amount of injuries people don't know as a player you go through. Yeah. I think Ben Thatcher gave a great line at Ipswich which, to me. He said, "Never be too high and never be too low. You'll be like that during your career. Just take it steady. Don't get carried away with it. Don't get too down with it." And I think I always carry that with me mm. because the injuries are low. There was times I'll be draining my knee twice a week to to play on a Saturday. I didn't train. I trained on the Friday. I'm a knee on a Tuesday and Thursday to play on a Saturday. Um, there's other times where I wouldn't train in a week. I mean, it might have been before you were there. I, I couldn't feel my arm all week. If anyone touched it, it was in agony. Jeez. But I'd have a local anaesthetic to play on, the, on a Saturday and I'd be in bits then the rest of the week, and that went on for months, things like that. No-one knows about, and you just, as a player, you just get on with it. You're
1: taught to swallow it and get on with it, really, aren't you? Mm. When I lost my dad... For a year I was fine. I was looking after them, my brother and my mum and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, bang, like mm-hmm. that. And the only thing I could think of to get me through it wasn't going for a run or play golf, it was alcohol. And i literally, we'd been out, I used to be a state, but it got to a point where I'd be drinking in the mornings just to try and keep on an, an evil kill, do you know what I mean? To try and feel mentally good. I couldn't just store it away, I had to do something, so.
2: On, on both your points, was there a specific time where, or a moment, that you was like, I need help, or yeah. a slide indoors, and, and the same for you, like, John? Um, I, I always found it very hard to trust people. So I kept
3: myself to myself quite a lot. I'd be very, very private. Um, so sometimes I'd always go home, and I didn't live in an area where I'd a lot of lads lived. I'd live on my own, I'd very private. I'd keep mm. myself with my family. So I found it very hard, even a friendship group, to trust people. And even in a friendship group, you you get people that try and take advantage of it outside of football and you think, it just adds to it. So I think when players come out of football, they find it very hard to trust people that they haven't played with or that are outside of football. Um, And that always stays with me. And that's so, when you're going to talk to people, even if you feel like if you want to talk to a club, you feel like you can't because you feel like they're going to use it some way against Mm. you, even agents. Some there'll be some very good. Now I was lucky to have a good person looking after me, but a lot only care while they're making money for them, and as soon as they're finished, they don't care about them. That's brutal. That's the industry. That's the industry.
2: It is a a brutal industry. It's a sink or swim um, industry, and it is like that. And it's interesting to hear John say that because someone that's strong-minded and as powerful as him, there's there's it's, it's kind of a front as well that you come in every day and you get on with your work, but. You're fighting a battle behind. Yeah. um, Any any of the clubs, did you feel throughout your career that you was close, possibly close to a manager or a player or someone within football that you could speak to or open up to? um, Or was you ever close to a manager? No, I'll
3: tell you, the manager no, Um, because I think you always kept your your distance with things. I think you had to in a way because I think every. Footballers are the same as everyone else. Every, footballers go through every problem that everyone else will go through. That's what I try to get out in a couple of interviews on. They'll, they'll lose people close to them, they go through people with diseases, they'll have problems with the kids, they'll have financial issues, you will have mental health issues and this whole mental health tag bothers me because it's not mental health, everyone goes through the same thing. It is mental health but as soon as you put that tag on people stigmatise it, it's yep. not, mm-hmm. everyone has the same issues, there's no one that has, doesn't go through the same issues that, that I go through. Yeah. So uh, it was random and from what I've learned from this situation, it's called unloading, sometimes you, you unload on someone. Henry Winter did an interview with me at Burnley and he asked a question you Sorry. asked about mum and no one had ever asked me that question, I'd gone down a route and I broke down with Henry, I literally just went, there was a photographer there doing the interview for the paper, and I was like, and he wanted to stop and I was like, you know what, no, I'll carry on. I'll t- I'm going to tell you everything now. And I went through and t- and I went through my whole career, mistakes have made, everything, stuff have held in. And uh, I was like, I basically unloaded everything on him. Was it just like,
1: thank God for that?
3: Yeah, but then on the back of that, I was so nervous about the piece coming out because he was like, look, we won't run it. And From the back of that, I got a real good trust Bond with Henry. And that's why I ended up doing a PFA interview with him and asked his advice on certain things because no one could trust him. Um, the interview came out and on the back of that interview, um, the messages I got were unbelievable through Twitter, Instagram. I was trying to reply to people, thousands. It was ridiculous. And the messages off kids that were 16 to men that were in the 90s saying like, Oh, I never realised or I've never spoke about it but you coming out and actually saying something has, uh, has really opened my eyes so now I'm going to go and speak to someone and in the back of it, it made me feel great that I could it was an unload but then immediately oh, he guard others. goes up again no, though immediately he goes up because then people he, people looking at me different but honestly people stopped me and there was not one bad the bad comment from what I'd said um and it was it was it was, yeah, a massive sort of... Release. It a, yeah, it was a release. And then and then I did that. And I wasn't playing at Birmingham at the time. I had, a, I had an, an operation on my knee. And then it, it got even worse, to be fair, as me. Because then you, you still go into your habits to not, not speaking. And um, I went back and you sort of open up to your wife and your family and you get all these things that no one really knows because you don't want to get upset in front of people. From, but what I found out is it's not strong keeping it in, it's strong actually going and speaking about it.
1: Yeah. And that's so important for yeah. people watching this.
3: And for people that think, Keep it's, it in. Th- there's still people that'll say, oh, you know, and look down on you for doing it. It's, it's so much harder having to say it, and the strength of someone being open and dealing with it. The amount of people you help,
1: and it, the amount of help it gives you immediately to have someone to speak to. Um, you're so right, you're so right. Because yeah. when I came out, I went enough's enough with the alcohol, like I'm going to be dead soon mm-hmm. and more importantly I'm going to upset all these people around me, like obviously my mum lost her husband, my dad and I was like what am I doing, so I was like right this is an, enough's enough, I can't have everyone crying and ruining relationships and stuff like that. So I just went on Instagram and said look I've got a drink problem and I was like yeah everyone was like respect, respect, respect and now like amount of times at like the weekends now I'm like people are like, tubes can you help me with like, I think I've got a drink problem and it's, you know, you can help others, it's so important to speak out and it makes you feel like as soon as you said it, you're like yeah. it's out there now and then people support <clears> you as well, <throat> well because they know you have a problem but if you keep it all in
2: no, one's, no one yeah. can help because no one knows I think it, it, it carries a lot of weight when someone like John's character as well that strong someone that was on the pitch that never showed weakness that then it's not when you open up it's not weakness is no, it no no it's not a weakness no, you're it, just expressing i said at the time
3: i wasn't i didn't go on and play a lot for burnley either i, I, I had a i said that in the first year and then it, like a lot more happened in that year that i came out and said as well which was difficult which is unbelievable do you know what it, I, was, I was in pre season in Burnley and I was in my hotel room and I got a call off my eldest brother. I had two, two brothers and a younger sister. But brother rang me and said, Listen, I've got something to tell you. And I was like, And even at the fact, I'm very, I'm not great on the phone, said to you before. I'm not great on the phones. I don't. No, he blanks. Me all the time. Me- <laughs> I, I, honestly, I'll message back like in a month or so. Yeah. That's just, I hate phones. But he rang me and I was like, I'm here. That's, that's a bit odd. Mm. So I'm like, Hey, are you okay? And he's like, and I knew, I knew then. I was like, "Go on." But he's like James, and I was like, who was A year, just over a year, two school years above me, but just over a year older than me. And I shared a room with him my whole life. And I think my mum passing away hit him the hardest and affected him the most. And he got into a crowd, and he had all he had mental health problems. Um, and he was, he was ended up. Um, been on antidepressants for a number of years and being schizophrenic and had all these issues. And he passed away. He, he passed away through a problem with his heart, but it was all down, without a shadow of a doubt, all down to the medication he was on. And He wouldn't leave the house and he, he went to it. He'd eaten, not exercised, always on takeaways and he got quite big, and, um, but he wasn't as big as you think, but ended up passing away through a problem with his heart. So immediately I was like, right, I'm on the next flight home. But we were training first, so before training, I've, I think I pulled Robbie Brady, and I've said, "Listen, Rob, like," I had to tell someone. I was mm. like, I "Don't know what to do." And we had a running, a running session. I remember it. We were down in Cork, and we had a running session. And I was like, and he was like, "Just go home." I was like, I "Can't. I've got a flight at two o'clock. I've just booked a flight. Um, I'm going to train." So we trained, did the session, pulled the manager after the session, told him. Nearly went, but didn't. And um, I said, I "Need to go." And he's like, "Fine, whatever we can do to help you, we'll help you." Blah blah blah. Went home. Um, saw my wife. At the same time, my wife was pregnant, but I'd lost the baby. Same day. <laughs> same day, day after. Mm. Day before. No, no, it was either the same day or day after. It was literally. That exactly at the time, but we didn't tell anyone because we were like, This has just happened with James, my older older brother. We sort of kept it to ourselves, and we're like, Right, not to take away from what's happened, but then we kept that to ourselves. So then, me being me in a selfish way, and football is a very selfish world, I've gone, I have to go back and train. And there's a pre season game, and I flew out back to Cork the next day. and, I, and the manager was like, what are you doing? I was like, I need to play, I need to, I need to be involved. I need this, it's OK,
1: nothing can be done at home. But footballs your medicine, right?
3: Yeah, it was, yeah. Nothing can be done at home. Mm. And I look at that, what am I doing? But I, then I was going, I need to play. I didn't play last year. I need to be in the team. You have all these things going through your head. I can't not miss a game if I don't play. And I went and played a game. And then the next day... My daughter got diagnosed with scoliosis. It was like, this was like within three days. Oh, and no. she's, my eldest daughter, which she's still got to have an operation. Um, two metal rods put on her spine to straighten her, her spine. And I was like, but then this happened to my wife as well. So how strong she is dealing with it. And has kept that to herself. Cause no one knew that because of what was happening with my brother. So with the, few, so with the funeral, I was going back and forth to Burnley every day. I'm trying to organise a funeral. Um, with, my, with my brother and sister, but the majority, myself and my wife, like took a lot on and mm. we're doing it. And you're dealing with all these things, and you just that's just. But when I go back to saying we're no different than everyone, anyone else, that is everyone's job. Everyone's does the same things. Everyone goes through these things, just happen to happen at once. <clears throat> and I came out and said it on the Late Late Show in in Dublin, no one knew I was doing it. And it was, again, it was a, it might have been the unloading thing. They got me on to speak about whatever. They didn't know I was gonna say it. I knew I was gonna say it. But then, in a way I've told everyone, but I've told all my family as well. Yeah. That way, it might not have been the right thing to do, but I just did it. And on the back of that, again, there was the amount of people that they said it helped, got in touch and said, I didn't realise you could speak about it Mm. Uh, I didn't realise not that it doesn't happen to you but you've actually spoke about it it's really helped me and I think from that point I've been more open I still do the same things now Um, you still go into those habits but one of the reasons why I wanted to get involved with the PFA so much because there's so many difficulties players go through I know what everyone goes through we're no different to any other person in, in the public anyone Yeah, everyone goes through the same things
2: I just want to touch on when we started our careers, it was very macho, egotistic, wasn't it? Can't show a sign of weakness. And then do you see signs coming out of it now where we've finished now? Is it slowly a bit more open-minded or is it still, do you feel as though it's still bravado? You can't open up. I think that's still there. I think it's got to be there to an extent, because
3: that's the industry. Mm. But I think it, it, it is changing in terms of the academies now. And clubs will have psychologists, academies will have psychologists, and the amount of work goes into the well-being of kids. Yeah. They go through the processes and they'll have certain things. In it. From the time being at, at, at Stoke Coaching, I know if they feel like someone's got an issue, they'll pull them or they'll some people speak to them. and. Um, that's helping and that's trying to get lads to, to open up and speak but i think as a player i think even finishing as a player it's difficult because you've achieved your you always you you, you aim for something your whole career and and from premier league to league two below it's it's elite it's a yeah. it's an elite level people say elite, so it's an elite level a yeah. sport yeah. there's not many people that get there no. so you're playing at the elite level. You've got every problem you've got to deal with. You're playing at the elite level. You're taught to suck it up and get on with it. Mm. But then you get to a certain age, which is 20s, 30s, and you've reached your pinnacle of your ambitions as a person. Achieve it at a very young age compared to everyone else. and Whatever everyone else wants to do. It's a very young age to do it. So then when you retire, you're always taught to deal with your problems in a way internally because you don't want to share it. Yeah. You've, reached, you've reached your, your ambitions... Efton's going to be a, a come down from there really mm. what's what's the next thing there needs to be a lot of planning going into people i think for that but what's your next thing all your friends and family want to talk about is football
1: or what you're doing next so true well you struggled massively didn't you i remember you saying yeah. the phone stopped and you didn't know what to do and you, you broke down didn't you so what you're doing next that's a lot isn't
3: it yeah. what you're doing now
2: yeah i mean that's that's the hardest thing for me in, in terms of when I, when I finished, and it'd be similar to you, it, it, it was as though a massive chunk, not just of my life, but of the family. Like, my wife and kids, they used to love coming to games. Right. So the whole build-up to the week and the, 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 the game on the Saturday, you know, leaving the stadium, grabbing a takeaway, you know, the weekends, it was all built around the, the whole... The whole Yeah, the whole structure of the family was built around football. And,
3: and you as a person, it's selfish. It's well, all around yeah. you. Yeah. It, you're the main yeah. focal point, Yeah. Sort yeah. Of,
2: yeah. And then for me my biggest thing was i i just lived and breathed football i didn't really have much interest outside of other than football i'd love a bit of golf and you know bits and bobs but football was my biggest sacrifice and when that stopped i, I couldn't fill it with anything i really struggled struggled now to like, to, to even to this day there be some days that just pass by and they're great there'd be a couple of days where i'm like really really struggle I think where he, John says there about unloading, sometimes I think they're they're brilliant. Yeah, they're brilliant. But whether that can be done more often, then you know it might be a, a way forward in the progression.
3: I think. Well, I know from speaking, and even then I wouldn't have spoke about a lot of things for a while. I know speaking to people about your issues helps immensely. Oh, and I'd, I'd I'd be an advocate of that from anyone. Just talking about football, anything, just speaking. No one. No one cares that, no one, it's, there's no embarrassment to anything no. because everyone goes through the same things, mm. but when you've said it to someone and you have that support and knowing that, okay, they know how I feel and th- honestly, there's no, there's no embarrassment. The more people can do it, the better you feel. Well, a problem honestly. shared
1: is a problem half, doesn't it? Because mm. no one knows that you're struggling. Yeah. No one can help you. Yeah, He's it, it,
3: right. There's... When, when you finish, everything stops, everything's structured around, around playing. If you go back on the football team, everything's structured around that. You might have made good money, and the very few make good money. There's a lot of lower-down that don't make... Oh, yeah. ha- well, well, There's a lot of players. I'd say 95% of players will have to work again, have a second career. Would you say 95%? For yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Really?
3: Yeah, because you'll have the, the, the ones that'll make an enormous amount of money. But then if you, if you look at the statistics, and I think it was a study in 2015 mm. Divorces Divorce and bankruptcy. And, bankruptcy. Yeah. and it was something like 30% within a year of bankrupt, up to 75% in three years, and divorced. And then all the issues that come with that, because it's, cause again, it goes back to trust as well. You might have had bad financial advice, and I know a lot of older players have had that, yes. and are still going through that as well, that have lost everything. So you've earned all your money in the career that you've gone and, and had, and that was your main way of making money when you finished. You thought you've provided your family, you've lost everything when you finish. What do you do? Where do you stand? So you think of all the mental health problems with that then, and there's a lot, there's a lot of players. And when I said I was, I was lost, it's not, you want to go into something, you want to help, but what do you do?
2: My way of describing a footballer's life, and you might agree with me here, it's not, it's like a fake life. It's not real, is it? But like, a professional football player wow. it, it is not, is not the real people out in this world because you're getting paid ridiculous money you're on highs and lows every week you're getting paid for something that you love and it's, it, football's like wrapped in its own bubble isn't mm-hmm. it and then when that stops and you come out of that bubble like we will know players, the foreign lads that come over that won't know how to pay the council tax, won't know how to pay you know any kind of utility bill, won't know how to you know, find a nursery for their school won't know how to get a, to get a GP it's all done for them So then when you come out of that bubble, isn't it? It's like a real culture shock.
3: Premier League players will have massive problems and because of money as well. right? Because of living a certain lifestyle, having that fame that comes with it. Um, There's all different problems. So I've seen the problems from every level. So there'll be be different problems. League Two players and League One players and Championship players will have some Premier League players. That doesn't mean they don't get them as well. And if you go on those statistics as well, Imagine being there and, and losing everything or having different type of problems. I, I think a, a big one's trust mm. at the top level because you've got to be so private. Because you, everywhere you go out, you either get you, on a night out, you either get a stick off someone, or you either get photos constantly, or you want to be with your kids and you're holding your, yeah. your little boy, your little girl, and people are always come up to you, and you, you feel like
1: you, that's, your, that's your privacy space and you can't really have that a lot. I was so going to say difficult. with the, tra- the trust thing as well. Do you know who your proper friends are? Because so many people want to be with you because you're a Premier League footballer, want to be going to the best nightclubs. Do you, can you tell the people who, once you're retired, they're just going to go see you later? And um, is it upsetting when that does happen? You're like, I thought we were.
2: I'm really lucky in terms of the, the, the group of, the real close group of friends that I grew up with from school, from knee height, we're still really close now. So they're, so they're, they're my go to. Other people haven't got that.
3: I I had I was really I had a really good group. Since I came into academy at a late age. Mm. So I had a really good group of like we won a national cup as my as my team. Yeah. Um, national amateur cup at under 15s or something. And I went to Blackburn and then I was still going coming home and going out with those lads quite a lot and I'm still living a, the wrong lifestyle. Right. Because um, I said that was all what everyone else was doing and I think. I unconsciously made a decision. I had to leave that, and when I got older, I left that, and it wasn't that I was leaving a lot of friends behind. I had to leave that because that's what everyone else was doing. So I had to sort of right. take everything on myself, and, and that's when it's a very lonely place, because you ha- you're so focused on doing what you want to do um, or have to do, because I could' have carried on that and I wouldn't have made it as, a, made it as a, on a, I wouldn't have made a career out of football. so I had to conscious well subconsciously constantly at the same time make that decision to to leave that so that was hard and because you're leaving a group of friends that you've sort of grown up with as well and not not in a negative way that's because the saying you you forget where you come from and never forget where I come from never forget Mm. people that helped bring me up as as a child as well I still see families and the area that I came up from I live around the corner from now and I'm trying to do things to help that area but at a certain age you've got to make those decisions and you go a lot of kids are grown up and go for university or school, and you're immediately thrust into an
1: adult world with, with, with men. That are, it's a ruthless, cutthroat world. Yeah. And talking about friends in football, uh, you had a great lunch, didn't you, at Stoke for the year and a half you two were together?
2: Well, that dressing room that I, that I walked into was, yeah. for me, and I've been in some good dressing rooms in my career, that was the best dressing room that I ever had. It was that good. It was
3: a Carnage. carnage. It was a
2: Come on, it was funny. It was great, wasn't it? I, I mean, yeah. like the, the, the highlight of the day, literally, would be the two touch before training. Yeah, the you know, They just came with yeah, everyone's in a circle two touch. Yeah. Lose three lives or two liars, Ear flicks. God, the ear flicks. Listen, I not get
3: that. It, it wasn't just bloody, a little ear flick. How
2: how, how aggressive <laughs> did it get? <laughs> honestly, I'm not exaggerating
3: when there, there was blood drawn for me daily. <laughs> honestly. There was lads with
2: bru like bruised bruised heads all over their eyes, lads were just getting but that was There was like there yeah. there'd be a technique where it'd be sort of <laughs> and you and you'd follow through as well. So <laughs> people would like doing press ups in the gym before like two touch and get these going and just yeah. sort of like there was some hit, like Marco and Altovich had a flick, yeah. Bardo had a flick, but it got to a point where people because they knew it hurt so much, they'd bend over and they'd, they'd just they'd wait for it yeah. and they'd hold their ears, they'd hold their ears like that. So people were just <laughs> flicking for it. was on a going. Friday,
3: like an away game in a hotel. Say right where we are now in Wembley. You've got the, the apartments there. And if anyone ever stayed in a hotel where you could see into the physio room, it used to take over this, a huge room for a physio room. And uh, on a Friday night, we used to get everyone in on a Friday night, and we'd be sweating, wouldn't we? We'd be dripping wet dripping just playing buckets. 2 t-
2: Yeah, so You'd be your boxers or a pair of shorts, <laughs> wouldn't you?
3: And uh, I put a video up the other day of the lads messing around on, on a pre-season one. That, that. That was the type of thing, lads, we just mess around, and yeah. it was a real good group. People always thought at Stoke, we brought in, oh, whatever messed it up, we brought in players, and from abroad, he didn't have that we had some great lads from above. Marco Natovich was a great lad. Bojan, Mark Muniesa, yeah. Yosselu. There was, there was unbelievable lads, and people thought they might have not been... That's what might have broke up. Yeah. The Stoke dressing room. It wasn't. They were, all one. in together, were you? They were oh, great yeah. lads. Yeah, they were. It, it was a really good team spirit. And I still speak to a lot of the lads now. I still speak to... Obviously, mm. Ryan's gone to Miami. Not a bad move. Rob, not who's, I think, going to move back to Germany. I was speaking to Bojan the other day. Yeah. and It was... It was an unbelievable group of lads and they're like they're friends and they were good guys and mm. everyone knew they had, they had their back yeah. with it.
2: But that that team spirit and that togetherness, that gets you 12, 14 points, let alone in a season. And it's mad to, to we sit here and we go, we had such a strong group and such togetherness and trust, I know John says about it, it's yeah. the, the trust, but you still can't open up, you still can't talk about feelings that things that's off on your chest or you're carrying that you can't feel though you can confide in someone, it's, it's, it's a, that's how mad that football world and dressing room is yeah. isn't it?
1: You quite happily flick each other's ears and stuff like that but <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't say like I'm struggling. yeah,
2: yeah. Or, I'm I think, just, or, or even as simple as I'm just having a bad day today. Yeah.
3: Do you know what? We would have been more than happy sitting in a change room like this if I would have just turned around and said lads. I need to sit down, I need to sp- probably take one person to do it and I think as soon as one person would do it I can guarantee everyone in the shave room had their own yeah. problems and that will create such a bond and I think, I think that could be a way forward in a way for different mm. parts of football.
2: So in, in games and uh, with a run of games how, how do you find it of n- like not getting too high and then not getting too low, you're saying that, that, that even line. What, what what stops she going up and what stops you literally crashing down?
3: I think that's down. what a lot of people struggle with as players. When you see it as players, that's what a lot of people struggle with. Consistency or dealing with how to deal with their emotions. And A younger probably went out and did things like that. Or football was released from the real world, football was released different ways. But in football, not getting too carried away, I think it was finding an anchor. And I think for me, my anchor was my wife and kids. Yeah and having that and knowing that I could go home and be taking the mick out of straight after a match whether I had a bad game, Chelsea one was a great example, to then not getting carried away because you know as soon as you've had a great game you're going home you've got to do dad duties and you've got to do things with your kids and I used to be able to switch switch off straight from the game and go into spending my life with my kids and doing sports with them and like now I'd help. Like I'm a grassroots coach for my boys on the 10s team, I'll go and watch my, my eldest play across the other one doing dance, and you just basically now you're just a taxi. You're doing things yeah. like that. You're getting into the real world and you're doing things that everyone else does. And I think finding that anchor, being at home, not getting carried away, I think that was a good thing. Yeah. Um, and not, it's easy to go on social media and read, read the comments, and you still do. I think everyone's sucked into it. It's not that's not the real world. No, social media isn't the real world. No, having your anchor there at home or having someone you can talk to. I think, I think even now, I'm finding that having someone you can just ring up and, and unload to, or ring up and no one else knows, they're not judging you, they're not doing anything. And like genuine people, I think the more you open up to people, the more you speak to people, I think you'll find there's a lot more people in the same position as you're in.
2: Absolutely, it's the same as well for a lot of footballers in terms of their partners, whether their girlfriends or their wives, they're the ones that catch the brunt, don't they? they and, and over time, they slowly know what to say, when not to say, when to leave you alone, um, when to, as you say, to make a joke, make a laugh out of things. And they're, they're very important to, to a football player and, and the family life is so important, isn't it?
3: Without, without my wife there behind me and talking through all the problems I had as a player and you think it from a very selfish point of view I'm straight back in training, you forget how they deal with things but without yeah. them, or having a partner there, I think, it'd be very, very difficult. I don't think you'd, go on, you'd have the career you'd have because mm-hmm. that support and knowing that they're all always unconditionally, gonna, they're yeah. always there for yeah. you, and they're like you, they bring you down to earth. Or, or they're so strong, and they go through every emotion with you as a player, and every difficulty you face as as a player and outside player. Mm-hmm. There should be a lot of people that can help the families of of players and, and I think it, we're more seeing that now. We're going, we're going more into that where people are
2: realising that. One, the one thing I, I, that I found the back end of my career, and I think that's even massive now, is the social media part in terms of... So after a game, you'd get on the bus and everyone would be on their phones and they'd all be looking at Twitter, Instagram, all these... Yeah. And looking at kind of the negative comments as well. So say if someone's had a stinker, you oh look, look. You'd all be looking <laughs> yeah, at the sort of yeah. the Twitter form or the social media. You'd going, oh, the bottom, oh, you would be down you read this, you've seen that, and they'd be like, nah. And then they get on there and they sort of show that front as though it's water off a duck's duck's back, but really they're like, bloody hell. This can't be mentally good. That's though. what I mean. There's, there's got there's, there's got to be a balance now and a fine line of.
3: I think you have got to realise it's not the real world. I think I I, I came to know that as a player, it's not you look at the people that are doing it or you, you see someone down the street and you actually, that's probably the person that's abusing you mm. or whatever. You think it's not, it's not the real world. And people are drawn to negative comments and people read them. Even don't do it. It's hard not to do it, but it doesn't matter if you're football or not. I think in every walk of life, Absolutely. people are drawn to the negative side of things. I think we're, we're, taught that as a, we're taught that in the whole media world. Every If you pick up a newspaper or look at a story, not many of them, or not many, not many column inches are dedicated to positive things at all. a negative side, so everyone's drawn to that. I think. Bad think cells, doesn't it? Yeah. Bad new cells, There's problems. In society you probably need to, to look at it and start to focus on more positive things and having. Well, if you are feeling that way as well, having someone to go and go and speak to and having those conversation with everyone with, because mm. the more you do it, the more you realise it's not it's not real. It's, it, they can't hurt me. Yeah.
1: You know what I mean with with, with all these things and. Yeah. John, when you went on loan to the, the lower league teams how would they approach the FA Cup? A completely different way I think you, you, times at Wrexham, Chester,
3: Hull the teams I was at you, you go in at a lower level so you're always you're always waiting for the draw always waiting to see you. you've got that's brilliant as a player you're waiting to see it on TV Would you always watch it together as well? Uh, no, but whether it be well i have been before all the WhatsApp groups and all the phones came about the dangerous so, yeah. WhatsApp <laughs> groups
2: <laughs>
3: but you would you would yeah some, it some is teams nervous would, isn't it as a player because you because are nervous look, look, draw, yeah. Yeah. you either want a great team away as a lower league player uh, or at home like, but you, want it, you want to play in these stadiums but then if you think you get them home you get a chance or you want a really rubbish team yeah <laughs> honestly <laughs> you either, or you don't want someone that's Save you in League 2 you don't want like top of League 1 you're thinking oh or a championship team, you've won a big hitter, yeah. or someone that you've got a great chance against. Right. And right then right. once it, once you get further on the round, it's like it's all about getting in that third round draw because you know the big boys come in, and then it's about getting a, a big draw. And then honestly, watching a draw as a player and even as a fan now to watch watch Crouchy do him one the other day and uh, you texting <laughs> him straight away, <laughs> big long arm coming in, um, the Rod Stewart one, wasn't
2: it? Even he said that was the most. Ner- he said that's one of the most nervous things he's ever done. Really, all the shows, the games, up, the big matches I've that he's ever done. done. He said that was the most nervous, one of the most nervous experiences he's ever ever had to do in his in his life. Wow. Yeah. yeah I've never done
3: one, but I'd imagine you don't want to mess up or drop, <laughs> drop a ball through.
1: your yeah. live, isn't it? <laughs> what draw has gone? It's been you've watched live and gone. Yes, come on, we've got them. I think the semi-final. We, 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 oh yeah, the, we, the, the Bolton. One. Bolton yeah.
3: Because yeah. you didn't want the two big teams. You knew if you got the City. You've got a very slim chance of going through. Whether it. it doesn't matter what you got, you knew if you got them that year, you're thinking, "Oh, don't get them, don't get them," because you want to get through to a final. Once you get in the final, you got a chance.
2: Have you ever been on the flip side where you've been a Premier team like a Stoke or a Burnley, or and you've been knocked out to a minnow? No.
3: <laughs> no.
2: There you go. Stay strong. Yeah, you know exactly. what? I Don't mentality. Think. I don't think. No cup upsets for John. <laughs> no, we've had, we've been
1: close. What about you?
2: Yeah, Lincoln. I was at Brighton at the time, we caught yeah. the Lincoln 11. <laughs> the Lincoln 11 just got thrown lambs to the stalls. <laughs> <laughs> how long ago was that? that exactly when you had Gareth McCauley, was, you had the two six foot seven centre half? We just got bashed up. Yeah. We got bashed. Um, got no, in saying that, we went 1-0 up. Yeah. So, it was, it, 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 Chris Ewan changed the team, we went 1-0 up, away at uh, Lincoln, thinking half-time, happy days. Come out second half, 1-1 the crowd started going and you're thinking, here we go. This, we, you know what's going to go on. Then it's 2-1 and then that's it. All the fans are on the pitch and then you're just waiting to be exposed the next day in the papers. Talk about men. Talk <laughs> it's about men. Great talk, weekend. Yeah. I think one of them was the Lincoln 11. <laughs>
3: <laughs> talk about football being 90% mental, that's a, that's a prime example and that's why cup couple will always happen because players that play at a higher level always think it's going to be easy. Yeah, it's not. Mm. And it's... Those players, they'll always raise the game because they think they've got to... And I've been in that position, you've got to impress, this is my chance. If I play these and I play well, I could get a move to either these or people know I can play at that level. Right. That's what happened to Ipswich. Yeah. So, as a player lower down, that's what you're thinking. And this is your cup final. This is your Wembley moments. This is... You'll never play against a Premier League team if you're in League Two unless you, unless you go through the leagues. Very, very rarely does anyone play all through the leagues. Um, and as a Premier League player, you're thinking, these will be easy. They're not on a same level. we better than them, technically better. And they'll always try, they'll always try a lot harder than the, the Premier teams. And the ones that go through, if you get a Premier League team that'll match the fitness and match the work rate of the lower league team, they'll always win on ability. Well, 99% they'll win on ability because ability will come through in
1: the end but they'll always take it that little bit easier. And that's why there's so many come upsets. Will the lower league uh, players verbal you as well? Would they be like, oh yeah, Charlie Biggs, bad, sorry, you've got to win this. If you don't win it all, oh, you'll be in Do they give it you in the ear as well? <laughs> well, no. <nah. laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. They, they're on you, aren't they? Yeah. They're on you. How much you? How much you pay much they pay for you? <laughs> really? <laughs> you're a Prem player? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, well, I had one uh, kicking lumps yeah. out of me in that Lincoln game half time he's asked me for my shirt <laughs> Really? walking in at half time I couldn't believe it and I was like I can do one <laughs> <laughs> the, the, that's a the thing
3: so the, the, yeah they will try and because how are you going to beat a team that's technically better than you and I always yeah. love that as a player you can outrun if you can outwork someone that's technically better than you. the satisfaction that, that always gave me how can you do it and that's what they were thinking how can we get one over on who we're playing against how can we put them off their game and verbals, tackles, everything. But then, when it comes down to ability, you, there's a lot of very good players in those leagues. So you mm. will have a team, and there will be a player in that team. And you think, Jesus, he is un- like yeah. unbelievable. There's always someone in that. Team. There's always goal scorers. There's always someone that have one chance and score a goal. Yeah. There's always a couple of players that are let go from Premier League academies or work their way down. They've got that ability, and whether life choices or unlucky, they've, they've ended up in that situation.
2: We talk about. Like we were talking about emotions and um, experiences. We're here, obviously, at Wembley. Just going back on, like the FA Cup yep. itself, and like you've been out there, you've been in an FA Cup semi-final. What was it like? Just the two goals. Do you know what? What was it like, <laughs> oh, what? You, what was it like going into that? I've had, I've
3: had two of the best moments <laughs> in my career. Scored two in both games. One was for Ireland to send us through to the Euros in the playoff game with Bosnia, and the other one was here, um, the semi-final here. So we had Matt Jensen and Rob, who scored very early on.
2: So, so t- let's just go to the day. So you've got drawn against Bolton. Yeah. So, right? so we've, you we've gonna... had a
3: great run in the FA Cup so far. Yeah. I think we've beat Danny Bolton scored an unbelievable We've beat West Ham. We've had Cardiff in extra time. I scored two down in Cardiff, beat Brighton. Just, you, you know, the year's going really the well. Going, got drawn yeah. Bolton. And I, I'm not too sure who was in the other one. It was City, someone so you think in Bolton you've got a great chance and then it changed didn't it either the year before so the, the semis were at Wembley Yeah. so I think we came down here in the week or well, two weeks before Tony Peel were, we were walking around we came down the traction's lift literally. walked around went back on a train and went home <laughs> it was it, it was his it was his way of going I want you to familiarize yourself I don't want you yeah. to turn up on a day and be I
2: want you to know the walk I want you to know the dressing rooms great idea what so you was actually physically allowed to come in into the stadium and walk around? Came in, yeah. So before the game, or when it's drawn out against Bolton, yeah, are you thinking?
3: Well, we got a chance of to get into the final, yeah. Is that? Are you yeah, yeah, your, your favourite? I think you're thinking
2: we don't want Man City. Yeah,
3: they were flying. I think you don't want Man City. I can't remember who they were playing. I just thought we don't want Man City. You think of Bolton as a player, you always think you want the weakest out of the four teams. Yeah, um, and Bolton. Would have went, we want Stoke. I think it was United. I think, was it, was, it? I think
2: it was City United in the other semi-final. But
3: Bolton we will say we won Stoke, so they would have been rubbing their hands of course, as well. Yeah. Um yeah. So, coming down, we've gotten a changing room. The whole thing about the day. Here's another thing as well you don't see. My wife had a cesarean two to three weeks before with my little boy. Because because we had to have one of the first, shot, had at the second or third. She drove down here, you're not meant to drive, she drove the whole family down. She's
2: put it in the box. <laughs> she's, she's done a Sir John and just honestly, put it in the box. Honestly, <laughs>
3: she's, she's drove down and obviously Cesarean, it's like major surgery. Yeah. So she's drove down in bits, came down with two of the kids. You come down here, so that you know they're travelling now, you're checking they're OK, checking they got the tickets and then we come in the change room. I think Ricardo Fuller did a speech because he wasn't playing at the time. Whether he was injured or not, I'm not too sure. He might have been on the bench, but I remember him doing a speech in, and it was, it was quite a powerful speech. I think Tony Pulis wanted him to do it. So he go out there and the Wembley pitch is huge. So you shattered straight away. Because, no matter what, no matter how many games you've played and you go and play in a big game like that, your legs, 10, 15 minutes, you're gone. You're like, you you, you wow. use all your energy, you, whether it's everything, all the emotion, everything coming on you. And then first half we go, one nil up, 2 nil up. Um, absolutely flying. Matty Evans Rob Hoof, two, two great goals. And I
2: remember Matty's goal outside the box with left foot.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to think whether Kenwyn scored second half, first half. Um, I think Kemwen was third. And then the fourth, I've picked it up. And I think it's, at, at that time, a lot of fans are still, they're still really nervous because they were thinking, how can we mess this up? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? For Stoke, that's, it's an unbelievable thing. They been in that position for so many years and I've picked it up in the own half um, ran with it for a while I think um, had the lad chase me, I've brushed him off and that's my favourite position to be in, we used to do the shooting on a Friday every day and that was my favourite position to pick the ball up and kill it in that far corner Yeah, so I picked it up and it's Jessica goal, who I knew from the time at Bolton as well wow. and he's, he was an unbelievable keeper yeah. and I couldn't have hit it any better I've took it, touched it inside I think Gary kale has gone to block it and I don't even look where the goal is, and know exactly where it is, and hit it perfect. It just sneaks in the far corner, and I've ran straight it's over. Perfect. And I'm trying to pick, first thing is I'm trying to pick my, my wife and kids out in yeah. the crowd because I know they're there, mm. know where they're sitting, I know they're in that area, so I go over. I still can't pick them out. So I go and say, I still can't pick them out. <laughs> that's what I'm doing, I'm looking for them. Wow. Because that's a moment, that, that's who you do it for. Yeah, like it all is. these moments, it's not for me. I've always done that as a player, it's not for me. They're the people I do it for. They make all the sacrifices. You're doing it for your family, you're doing it for your friends, you're doing it for your kids, you've played with in school. You're doing it for everyone like that. That's, that's how I took my career. nice touch. So that's who I'm looking for straight away. M- yeah. Immediate thoughts, and it's relief almost. It's like, I've scored a goal, 4-0.
2: Misses his She's like, oh, yeah. God. oh God. She <laughs> was. She was like, oh, so unbelievable. George. So she was
3: in bits. She, she was in bits. Yeah. But you think, you, you're just going through all these emotions and then, obviously, there's another one later on, I think it's come across. Andy Wilkinson was never stalled for Stoke. Never scored a goal. He had an unbelievable chance, but he decided not to score. He decided to shank it to me to set me up. <laughs> I think I've even, it's somehow gone over, few people tried to block whether they're hitting the floor. It's, it's gone over a few and gone... It's gone... I think there's a few people trying to slide in to block it and it's just gone over to make it... Yeah, it was an unbelievable feeling. At the stoke end as well? At the stoke end. Um, I mean, you, you just enjoy it. You know you're in that moment. You know you're through to the final. And from, from saying highs and lows, that, that was my highest point and that was one of my lowest points of final. Coming here Brilliant. and playing City and getting beat because we were in with a great shout I think Kenwood might have had a couple of good chances in the game.
2: Right, so let's start again. So we've, all, we've, yep. we've played in big games against teams that you know if you go toe-to-toe that you're not going to win because they're better players than you. So what would what TP's team talk would it have been? Would it have been, listen, ruffle a few feathers, they stay in the game, keep tight. What, what was he saying before <laughs> the game or the build-up or the plan? Um,
3: we'd always have a way, our way of playing Stoke. It was different away from home. But we'd always be up and at them in people's faces. And we had players I could play in that team. Yeah, um, We had players during my time So Matty Edmonton, Tung Jai, Ricardo Fuller, Edgar Johnson, John Carew, Michael Owen came. Mm. We had a lot of players I <sighs> could play football. And when you came, yeah. people are comfortable with the ball. It's not just what you think. On mm. So we had all these players I can play. Mm. But in that team, we had, it was press, it was play, it was where can we get the second balls? But you're playing against a Man City team, and for me, that was the most difficult thing about Man City. It was when they were just, it was when he going for the league title, when yeah, they just come yeah. good. They could outplay everyone. They had unbelievable players in the team, but they could out, they could outmuscle anyone as well.
1: Really? Yeah. yeah.
2: Vincent Company, Yaya yeah. yeah, Toure, yeah, yeah. Balotelli was in the team. I remember, I remember looking at the bench, and there was Milner on the bench. Patrick Vieira was on the bench. On the the bench, bench. Yeah, yeah, on the bench.
3: He's a Dutch lad in midfield. Um, Dijon. Dijon, yeah. Nigel Jong. Yeah, Nigel Dijon. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't out. You couldn't he out. was Once tough, They yeah. were so tough. So tough. Yeah. if you wanted to mix it up with them, which we were so good at with different teams, you try and beat them at how other teams don't want to play, they could do it. So we, we, we were in a, it wasn't the greatest of games. Um, we were defending a lot. Tommy Sorensen pulled some unbelievable saves. And then, if you remember the goal, I'm sure it was Jayatouari. Yeah, it was an unbelievable one. Yeah. And then, you know, it's, you deflated. Oh, you've, everyone's come again. But all that was midway tickets.
2: through the second half as well. So you've gone yes. 60, 70 minutes, nil-nil with City mm. in an FA Cup semi-final. Were yeah. you thinking, all oh, we need these one chance? Yeah, we need one chance. Pens. Can you get it
3: to extra time, pens? And you think, Phew. but you know and in the back of your mind if you win that you've always won it, you've got that there forever, it can never be taken away from you. You can have everything you want in the world, but you've got something like that, it can never be taken away from you as a player. Um, I'm fair play to all the players like yourself that have won Premier Leagues and FA Cups and you know I've never been fortunate enough to to do anything like that, but Mm. it can never be taken away from you Mm. and then you've got to climb those steps as as a loser as well and you're like it's a blow and it's an experience no one can take from you played here but i've played here three times and i played it against england in a match as well we drew one one so one one drew one lost one mixed not bag. a bad not mixed bag um so as i said highs and lows of football there's a high there's a massive low at the same place but you, you've got to be positive and just keep memories of somewhere like here as and as in the positive things and mm. take back from it and you go through a journey with everyone else you're
1: playing with and your family and the fans as well amazing Mm. well John uh, that was absolutely class mate really really enjoyed that and wish you the best of luck Sir John Sir John
0: (laughs) So there we are what a great bloke Jonathan is and what a fantastic player he was too if you or someone you know is struggling with their mental health at the moment there is help available Check the show notes for some UK-based resources. We all have mental health and you are not alone. Right, next week's episode is an absolute belter. We've got another Stoke City legend, and this one's an FA Cup winner. He's also got a reasonably successful podcast of his own. Yes, you guessed it, it's the one and only Peter Crouch. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, give us a five-star rating too.